Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast in history that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. This season is all about 1991, and tonight we're doing one of our infamous bonus episodes where nothing matters but our own enjoyment. Infamous. Infamous. Notorious. Notorious. The, the, the notoriety that comes with these bonus episodes yes. uh, just ripples across the podcast like, world. Have you heard the new bonus episode? Because this is not uh, subject to the bracket, right. but it does build context for the year that was. It's not in the Elite Eight, but people who were in this movie, in this bonus episode, are eligible for the awards. Moody's which is what we call the awards at the end of the season. And at least we're honest about that. The way the fucking Oscars set up, there's certain movies that they're like, this could win Best Picture, and you know it won't. Uh, you know what I love about your introduction, too, is that uh, you said that the science, mm-hmm. I'll leave out the screaming part, but the science unequivocally lets us pick the yes. the best movie. So if you are if you like disagree with us, are you anti-vax? Oh. Are you against the doctors and the research? And You're the like, science? well, gravity is still just a theory. Which is true. That's true. I mean, science is a constantly evolving thing. Oh, but theories mean different things for scientists and non-scientists, Ryan. That is true. I have a theory that you're correct about that. And that's science. And a fact. My theory just became fact. It's still a theory, though. Are you my peer? I think I'm your peer. Did you just I'm review what I just yeah, said? this is a yeah, peer-reviewed. It fact. Uh, Greg is not here tonight because we said, you haven't earned it, Buster Brown. Get out of town. Well, we're not going to invite the first Boy Scout to what we no. have to do tonight. Only the last Boy Scout. Should we tell them what movie we're doing? I, I mean, it's in the title of the podcast they're listening to. That's true. Us included. This is the one thing we share with all other podcasts, except that we also use microphones and cords and mixers uh, and RSS feeds. Uh, we all pretend like people don't read the fucking title. And they're like, we can't tell them yet. This is a big secret we're going to do. Like, I hate to interrupt you, but uh, it just it's, it's so hard to pay attention thing. to you. This is me and you talking about a thing in pop culture. Can you say my name but say it right? <clears throat> we, I am your host, Mike Gravano, and I'm so delighted to be here with me, as always, is my one, my only, the boon companion, Ryan. Oh, God. Welcome to the Pop Filter Studio. It feels so good. It feels so good to be back in the saddle. So, Ryan, not only is this fun because it's a bonus episode and we can let our hair down and Greg's not here to school more mamas to death, this is fun because this is a movie that made you. I watched the Netflix documentary, The Movies That Made Ryan, uh, and the, <laughs> the second episode was all about The Last Boy Scout. This is probably the time that I have to admit that I hacked your Netflix account, and I put shows on like uh, The Movies That Made Ryan, and Ryan colon a porn. Not the, not the uh, part of speech or like the punctuation colon. Like, C-O-L-O-N? Yeah, it, it's my colon. It's a Go porn. Go get him like, checked, listeners. And then everything else on your Netflix that I hacked is just episodes of Disney's The Adventures of Gummy Bears. Bouncing here and there and everywhere. Okay, so you did watch that. I watched that a lot. Yeah. Uh, that is one of the rare times where the original version is great, but the cover uh, is sorry, so much better. the original version being the candy? Yeah, I love, I love the candy that the show is based on. No, I mean, the theme song is great, but the Suburban Legends cover of Gummy Bears is amazing. Do you think you'd be... Uh, less Orange County for like 10 no, seconds of your life. if Greg's not here, I'm going to start talking about deep Orange County lore, my friend. Is Disney's The Adventures of Gummy Bears the best cartoon based on a candy of your lifetime? Go. Top five, name them. Uh, Laffy Taffy sure. was the best variety sketch show of the last I don't know why I've it was so serious. Seen. 
No. It was drama. It was a variety sketch show. Yeah, it was just very serious monologues. Uh, Abba Zabba was surprisingly hard hitting, and I learned more about the reconstruction era of Amer- uh, reconstruction era of American history than I'd ever expected to. You're making me laughy tappy right now. <laughs> um, one of my favorites was uh, the guy who another serious drama, but uh, his wife died in a car accident. Mm. His his sweetheart, his honey. And all he got was her toe, and that was just his bit. Oh, honey! And that was one of I, I thought that was one of my funniest sitcoms of my life. It was very funny and very sad at the same time. You know what uh, show everybody seems to like more than Candy, but I think that Candy's infinitely better. The show didn't do much for me ever. The Simpsons. Mm. It doesn't even have Butterfinger in the name of the fucking show. Uh, it's why you exist. Thank you very much. I bet you have more connection to Butterfinger BBs than you do the show The Simpsons. Oh. I forgot about Butterfinger Bees. That shit ruled. Broke so many of my BB guns as a kid, but was delicious, and you could eat a bunch of them all at once, and your parents wouldn't yell at you. Is you this why shove them up your nose for later. In your uh, trial, I don't know what it's called, when uh, everybody in politics is asking you questions to see if you deserve to be on the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. every answer you gave was, nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger? Well, I like to be an enigma. Uh-huh. And uh, from one to ten, what is your faith in God? Nobody better lay a finger. Let the historians decide what I meant by that. It's a very clear, precise question, Mike. Mm. Think about your faith in God and attach a number to it. It's not that hard, and you have to come with your butterfinger shit every time. It's not shit. I mean it. Uh, Just as the no, word... I, I will vouch. You don't want people to lay fingers on your butterfinger. <sighs> I get so... And, and if they do not let go my ego... My Bible is just all food-based sure. catchphrases. Uh, what was the Fruity Pebbles one? Uh, I'm going to kill my neighbor, Barney. <laughs> that was it, yeah. I think, I want I want somebody to smugly, what is your faith in God, one to ten? Just say one. And watch somebody's fucking head blow up. Also, uh, these Supreme Court justices are not, like, voted on by the people. No. So one is a fine answer. Also, what the fuck did you just ask me is a fine answer. Yeah, w- one... Is one good or bad? I owe, I want like smart ass fucking questions back. Like, is ten bad? Do you know what uh, would have been best if uh, Ms. Jackson? I'm sorry, Ms. Jackson, but you have to get questioned by Leslie Graham. Covered her mic, leaned over uh, to her like lawyer or whoever's mm-hmm. next to her. Uh, covered her mic. They talked for like two minutes, and then she goes back to the mic and she's like, eleven. What do Republicans do with that shit? This faith goes up to eleven. Daily eleven. <laughs> Dearly beloved. Uh, so that's, a, we're here to talk about Last Boy Scout. Ryan, let us not dilly dally any further. Let's take the quickest of breaks and we come back, figure out why you are the way you are. In 1991, Bruce Willis, fresh off. This feels dumb. Ryan, this is a movie who made you who you are. Tell the listeners about Last Boy Scout. About. Just a movie in general? Just our, our normal, like, here's what you need to know. Here's a little bit of backstory. Here's a little bit of plot. Okay, so, like, how what you were supposed to do as the host of this show, you want to just me to just do I it. I have it, but it's so emotionless, and I know this is your beating heart. I would say in 1991, we had Bruce Willis, star. Star of Die Hard. That's uh, where I knew him from. Wait, uh, well, you're probably thinking of Moonlighting. Or the future Disney Plus show, Moon Knighting. Um, we had Damon Waynes, who was uh, hot off in Living Color. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, we had established star, budding star. And we had Tony Scott, who 
had a pretty good record at this point. Like it wasn't Spielbergian, but it was Top Gun. Mm-hmm. It was like a lot of hits. Um, but I want to say here, Mike, the 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 star of the show was Shane Black in the trades and the Hollywood Reporters and the Varietes. And it's because uh, this Wonderkind, this lethal weapon scribe, was just going to be the creator of action movies from here on out. This is the guy who made Monster Squad, Ryan. It is. And the trades were a buzz. He wrote Monster Squad. Fred Decker directed Monster well, Squad. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, like, just like, is there such a thing as a celebrity screenwriter? Could that be true? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there somebody who is now going to turn action movies on its head? In a way that Lethal Weapon sort of did, but not really. I'm not saying that Lethal Weapon was like the Unforgiven. Right. But it was a step towards it. It was different. You know, like we had a lot of uh, new things, deconstructing things, crazy things about Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the action hero that you're super into? What if they're fucking crazy and suicidal all the time? Right. Uh, and the way then, a real guy who went through this kind of stuff might be. And I want to say that uh, having done no research, that uh, the last Boy Scout script like set a record for. Uh, Amount of, money, amount of money sold uh and so there was a lot of press like this was supposed to be a, be a big deal i don't think it was in most people's life right but mike it, it was in mine and that leads me to my first question for you ryan other than to be shocking and let you know what you might be in for how does the very famous opening scene affect the rest of the movie affect script wise like story wise like story wise I don't it, things don't have to it I've seen I have not seen this movie until this very week. Uh-huh. But I have seen the which the amount of uh like the length of our relationship. Right. It feels like the, an insult, right? The depth of our relationship. There have been times you told me, "No, you're not ready." <laughs> I was like, "I think I'm going to rent it." Uh, but you will every 2 years send me the YouTube clip of this intro. So I've seen the beginning of this movie so many times. So I thought we we're going to get into this deep, like, twists and turns, figuring out why Billy Tybo. So you thought the movie would be about why Tybo yes. made this decision? Yeah, like, I, I assumed it was going to be Bruce Willis and Damon Wayne Sr. figuring out what happened. And I just want to call out Air Bud rules right now. There's no rules that says you can't bring a gun on the field and score a touchdown by shooting your The rule isn't there, but I would say if you clearly can make that touchdown, don't pull a gun out. That's a good, that's to a good kill one. the guy who was not about to tackle you. He was so close to making it. If you're writing a rule book about anything, mm-hmm. board game, sport, whatever, include one rule at the end that says, like, also, don't do obviously bad shit. Yeah. Spirit of the game. Spirit <laughs> Just of the game. asterisk, please play in the spirit of the game. Uh, letting a dog play or pulling weaponry out is not in the spirit of the or game. Or giving a dog a gun. No. I'm all about that. Would you watch the last Airbud? Fuck John Wick. I want to see the story of John Wick's dog. Oh, John, John gets Wick's stolen. John Wick's do- dog dies, gets murdered in front of the dog, and the dog goes and shoots everyone. everybody. Um, so I, 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 I do think that it mostly does have to do with letting you know what movie you're in. There mm. are, the movie is a gratuitously violent, tangentially about gambling, sports gambling, and legalizing it and what that would mean. I, I. I guess we're we're in, we're in a town where like a town a time uh, where there are sports gambling commercials. It's mm. there's a thousand apps. It's, I know it's very apparent now more than it's ever been. And a lot of that is because Shelly Marcone, owner of the L.A. Stallions, mm-hmm. and all of the ground that he did for this, despite his house blowing up and his two Doberman pinchers dying. Oh, that was sad. I did not like knowing it was off screen, but I did not like knowing that those two beautiful dogs died. Her. 
it's so much of this movie i was confused about why anybody was doing anything Mm -hmm. and part of that is because i kept trying to figure out how anybody's motivations were connected to the opening scene how long between the opening scene and the movie were what there's times where it feels like the movie starts the next day after Tybo kills himself uh-huh. that the reason the stallions party is so such a bummer is not because it's six in the morning. It's not because sexual assault is happening in the middle of the party. Uh, it's because their pal killed himself the night before. Having watched the entire movie now and disregarding my constant references to it throughout our entire lives. Uh-huh. Is there anything at all close to as iconic as the opening scene? No, that definitely stands out. Like, I do. I, I want to let the listeners know. Mike made a. I'm going to think about this face. I tried, and it was immediately no. Uh, Tony Scott came to play the day he decided to film that opening in a way he did not come to play for the rest of the movie. I disagree. In iconography. Okay, sure. It is the most iconic part, but do do directors get to choose their most iconic parts? In the movies? They have to know, right? They have to have a feeling. I wonder how many filmmakers are surprised by... What people cling to? Wow, you people really latched on to baby being in a corner. That I did not see that coming. <laughs> that throwaway line that has nothing to do with anything? Almost like it was Tybo killing himself in the beginning of the movie? It's interesting because they like sometimes you can feel the movie knowing, in quotes, knowing what character will be a fan favorite, and almost always it hurts. Mm-hmm. You're like, ew, no, get that fucking thing away from me. That, uh, to me, I think of um, uh, Rebel Wilson in Pitch Per. I'm gonna I uh-huh. try to speak Mike language you, now because I, you know, I'm a, an action movie guy. I'm a really manly man. I have a lot of muscles, but mm. because I'm talking to you, I'll talk Pitch Perfect. Where like she, and she's written that way, and she is the first time you watch it. But right. The second, third time, you're like, ah. I think I say second, third movie, which it gets worse. Yeah. Uh Fan favorites should never become one of the stars. Uh-huh. They should always be on the sides. But yes, uh, this doesn't have that. But like, think about like what movies? Maybe the the doves in Face Off. I'm trying to think of movies where like I feel you trying to make us care about this scene and want to talk about this scene. No, I will admit right now to you. I I don't know why you think it's weird that I would admit this. Like I'm vulnerable enough and manly enough to admit that the third dove that flies out in Face Off is my favorite character from that movie. See, I think it just try hard. It quipped a little too much. Don't quip those wings. Does it bother you, or is it part of this ramshackle charm that the intro, that the, I, the intro is stands in for the sloppiness of this whole movie, plot wise? All right, so I think we're now getting a a little glimpse as to what Mike thought of the Last Boy Scout. Ryan, I like sloppy things. You're my best friend. I recently defended Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Is look, full disclosure. Uh, before we're recording this show, we recorded Robin Hood. Um, you love that movie. Mm-hmm. I came out and said that it was a piece of shit. Yes. Is this just revenge right now? Did you love the Last Boy Scout? But you're like Ryan didn't like. Robin I deleted Hood. all of my notes and then went boo Ryan. I I don't need to be coy. I enjoyed a lot of this movie more than I expected to. Like it. I, I don't think anybody in it is throwing their fastest fastballs. I'm trying to speak football. Uh, but it is still, there's a lot of charm and spit that holds it all together. Uh huh. But that doesn't I agree mean with that. we can ignore the slop. Okay. 
And if we're just focusing in on Tony Scott and using just the the intro scene as a way to jump off, what is he doing here that, like, the guy who did Under Siege 2? Is that true? I, that seems rude. What is What separates him from the guy who did Under Siege 1? Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Please. Dark Territory. Um, the guy who did Under Siege, I, I think that's also a good movie. Uh, as much as, like, we're supposed to hate Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, not, not like that hatred is forced upon me. Like, he's a piece of shit person um but i i do think that's a pretty good movie tony scott i think delivers on this idea of cool and please stop and let me explain we have had to do this thing all season Mm -hmm. of taking 91 into consideration right and oh what a year the thing that i've been trying to think is that like storytelling doesn't change Right. And so like we've been looking at like what 91 movies tell a good story. Mm-hmm. The the foundation doesn't change. Thumb and Louise, for instance, has right. a ton of 91 corniness, but it's an, it's still an incredibly told story. Right. I think that the last Boy Scout is sort of there where like they had their idea of cool mm-hmm. and they achieved that cool. It's just what was cool then is not cool any longer. Mm-hmm. It Well, I think it's interesting having the one you're comparing the Scott brothers. Oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say there's a and I'm a fan of Journeyman, uh, the band and the style. Uh, but I think there's an artistry in Ridley that is not in Tony. It's crazy because they they both hop genres and it seems like that they both just take jobs. Yes. And yet Ridley is like, how does he make these wonderful decisions? Right. And Tony is like, he was hard up for money. <laughs> and it, it's so funny because like. Think about Tony Scott's career. So Top Gun was one of his early huge ones. Uh, do not like that movie. I, f- I think it's dumb as hell. I think it's more of its year than... Which movie? Top Gun. Top Gun, okay. Top Gun is a hard one to watch now. Uh, and I did not see... Like, what I love is uh, Tony Scott's movies I'm watching as an adult. I watched Top Gun for the first time maybe two or three years ago. Really? And I would, I would go toe-to-toe with anybody and say Last Boy Scout is a better movie than Top Gun. Okay. Uh, what about... Four years later, Denzel versus Gene, Crimson Tide. I've not seen it. I think that's a legit good movie. Is that Submarines? Submarines. Oh, okay, I've seen it. Yeah. Well, it's like you get Gene and Denzel. It's it's both of our favorite subgenre. Hmm. Uh, you get those two. It's going to elevate it. Uh, it's going to go to the depths. Okay. So highs you are, and lows. You are going out of your way to compliment in a movie that you have not seen. Compliment everyone but Tony Scott. No, no. no I, I don't know what he brings to it. Right. Here's what I let me sum up what we're both saying right now. He is the Michael Bay of his generation. I think he's better than Bay. I I do think that he is trying to bring a little bit extra to his movies. And I think that Michael Bay is trying to bring literally less. Like, what if this movie had less? It'd be dumber. Yeah. Uh, What I will say is Tony Scott, based on the, the little I've seen of his, but especially in this movie, he's saying dumb doesn't mean bad, Mm -hmm. which is tattooed on my fucking tongue. Like, uh, you can't be mean, not like dumb things, because I am a dumb thing. Uh, and he has fun. His tongue is not firmly in cheek, but on its way to being in cheek. And uh, uh, that might be where we disagree. Because you think it's firmly? Yeah. This this feels like this isn't Scream of action movies, but it could be New Nightmare. I that That's too perfect for me to argue with. <laughs> for me, it's like, uh, is this Fast 4 or is this Fast 5? Mm-hmm. And Fast 4 is an awful movie that is almost there. Mm. And then Fast Five is there. 
And the more times I watch this movie, the more times I think, there's no way they can't. No. This is so fucking dumb. Right. There's no way they can't be sort of making this the unforgiven thinking. I'm right. not saying they're successful, but thinking that this is the unforgiven of Shane Black movies. Like Lethal Weapon was sort maybe, of So maybe Lethal Weapon was New Nightmare. Right. And this is his attempt at Scream. That is what I'm going to attempt to argue through the rest of this episode. I, I don't think that's crazy because like you said, intent and execution are different. And it could be the ninety oneness of it all is getting in the way of the execution a little. And maybe it would take a few more like sitting with it longer or rewatching. I all I ask is that you watch this as many times as I have. Is that is that crazy? Um you know what? I'll quit my job. <laughs> it's the only way to get it done. No, don't I mean quit your job, but find a new job where somebody pays you six figures yes, to watch Lost to watch Boy, the, Last Boy Scout every day. Can I be the Leonard Malton of one movie? Can every Sunday I go on the E Hollywood network and talk about this movie again. Leonard Malton is fucking wasting his time all day, every day, watching different movies. Dude, cut out the middle, man. Watch one movie. It's all in the good book, my friend. The Last Boy Scout. Ryan, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, probably more of this. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny. Or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about. Or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at Your Pop Filter. Email contacts at Your Pop Filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Ryan, we've kind of danced around legacy and meta commentary. And that's apropos for my next question I will introduce right now. Oh, wait. So you're going to segue into like you're gonna say something and be like wow good job mike i just said that thing now i'm gonna say this i said we you did it too well i didn't but i didn't say your sentence you're like wow thank you mike for handing that off to mike i don't think there was a thank you it was in your voice i wanted to say fuck you mike we all do is last boy scout and in 1991 we've already done judgment dave uh is last boy scout coming out of the same year as t2 judgment dave Sort of the same as White Snake having a new album the same year as Nevermind. Incredible question. Uh, that one is when Nevermind came out. Like you are, you're doing, you're putting a lot of puzzle pieces together. And White Snake probably had an album this year. I do love hearing stories about how uh, Nevermind ruined multiple genres. Like yeah. it made multiple rock bands be like fuck. And I can see that from Terminator too, but I don't think so because I do think. I think this movie has more of a tongue in its cheek. I do think that it is helping ending a genre mm. like Terminator 2 is. So Terminator 2 did it with the sci-fi, the big budget, and right. like we don't have time for your fucking uh, cheap-ass, bad-looking action. Mm -hmm. And we also don't have time anymore for your like uh, cool but unironic action heroes. Right. We're, this is like, what is that really like to be a two-dimensional piece of shit, stinky... <laughs> Bad father, bad husband action here. Like, this is what it's really like. So maybe The Last Boy Scout isn't White Snake. Well, I'm trying to think of a band that was around pre-Nirvana. Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. Like, they're like, we can grow and change. Yeah. And because Terminator, may, too, it, maybe there's moments of tongue-in-cheek, but it really feels like, do you know what we can do to change action? Be fucking better than anybody ever has. And uh, White Snake. Last Boy Scout is saying, what if we can dig at the genre we are a part of the whole, we are going to burn the scene where that birthed us 
first of all, fuck you, Terminator 2, to set out saying we're going to be better than anybody ever has and then accomplish it is... Is somebody just being like, what if we made one good? Why has nobody done that? (laughs) That's fucking fucked up. It's like LeBron James as a nine-year-old saying, I'm going to be the best basketball Mm -hmm. player of all time. Oh, you've seen that documentary commercial too? (laughs) Old LeBron tells young LeBron he's going to do it. And then it's about crypto? (sighs) Yeah. The Superman's dog. I love that dog. Yeah. So much. He held both of his legs. Um, Do you know what... Watching this movie, think about genres and what it's doing. So we've decided this is not White Snake. I think almost even more than is it playing in the sandbox of Terminator uh, or Lethal Weapon or Under Siege. This feels so much to a 1991 take on uh, what's the Elliot Gould detective movie? Oh, Long Goodbye. Long Goodbye. Yeah. This is so in that vein of like, and clearly Long Goodbye was out of a term. Was like, well, the protagonist is a piece of shit, right? Mm-hmm. And this one even more because he is trying. Gould is charming, and he's shaggy and dirty, but he takes care of his cat, and he's, he's a lovable piece of shit. Uh, Do you ever think about that uh, decade called the 70s where you would regularly say, Elliot Gould is charming? Like, I, what the fuck is that? Well, I remember watching Friends with my family around the dinner table, and I went, that Elliot Gould is charming, and they would just beat the shit out of me and say, pivot! He's not a, Elliot Gould is not a weak man. He is not a weak man like Ross. Uh, th- this is taking it even further. There, it is... I, love bruce willis i know not as much as you uh he is the king of shaggy charm he's king of one-liner joseph hallenbach might be and i have not seen any of 2021 bruce willis's movie so take that out of it but hallenbach might be his most unlikable character he has ever played smelliest on purpose like it feels too early in his career that he is deconstructing bruce willis more than arnold does in last action hero the thing that i noticed so I watched this movie 40 times when I was a kid, right? Mm. And then I watched it a couple of years ago with my wife, who was not a fan. And that it, it really changed my view on it. Sure. Like, it, it really seemed like a gross movie to me. But then I watched it this week with you. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I noticed, it, it did go up in my estimation. Okay, so watching with your wife down, watching with me up. Watching it with my wife is like this is so fucking sexist and gross. Like you can't help but like sort we'll of dig into that. See, uh, see it through their eyes. But watching it with you, the reason I, I do think that Joseph Hallenbeck is the center is the like let's put this person under a microscope and it's a guy like how hard it is to live as an action hero. Mm-hmm. And there's so many times where if he just complied, if he just thought, if he just wasn't forced by the rules of film right. to always have a quip. His life would be great, but in sort of like a last action hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. way, he has to always be Joseph Hallenbeck, right. and that is the cause of and solution to all of his problems, and I do think that is a little screamy, a little last action hero right. on purpose. Well, especially at the very end, uh, one of the last teaches, scenes, they're walking yeah. into the, the proverbial sunset, and... He says, you know, it's the 90s. You can't just be cool. You can't just say you have to have something, a uh, cool line. And fucking Damon Wayne Sr. says, like, I'll be back. And he says, no, you got to, like, hit him with the surfboard and say, surf's up. Uh, one, you are blowing every other action hero spot up right there, including your own. And two, so not clever, which I like it. But it's it'd be Shane Black can write very clever lines. It feels very purposely like this isn't clever. This is what this fucking Cro-Magnon last Boy Scout thinks is clever. Uh also, that part, um, that end thing uh, referenced Terminator, yes. which uh, was in 91, and uh, hit him with a surfboard. 
That's Point Break, baby. That's 91. It really feels like I want to take the shots at the two movies I know will overshadow me this and year. And that's the thing. I, I, there's a part of me that thinks that Shane Black wanted to end the action movie with this movie mm-hmm. and was just unsuccessful in that he wasn't – it wasn't enough to, like, make us rethink. Like, right. we're done with these movies. And it wasn't enough to make us, like, love this as an action movie. And it just fell in this valley of, like, it's a good one. Do you know what it is? I, I think it's, you know – as a as a kid growing up in Southern California and liking loving pop punk, uh, at around twenty two, I went no, that's for childish. I will put away childish things, and I hate it. And it's no longer you, you can't be like, hey, I asked you like I don't really like it anymore. You have to shit on the new bands that sound like you have yeah. to like hate yourself a little. And you get older, and you're like, nope, it's cool again because Shane Black has in the two thousands made fun movies in the in the vein of like, but it really felt like. In your 20s, you're trying to, it's good. You're trying to rethink, you're growing, you're trying to be a person. You're like, I want to put the past behind me, and it means I'm going to put everybody's past behind us. And he didn't realize you could elevate action without shitting on it. I think that's it. I think that uh, Last Boy Scout is important for, uh, last count, I, I, I think we counted 1.2 million reasons. Uh-huh. But one of them is that it gave us Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, and The Nice Guys. Oh, the fucking Nice Guys. Which uh, I think. Having gone through the last Boy Scout, he realized it's better. Like, what I want to do is uh, poke the genre because mm-hmm. I love the genre. Right. And this was not enough poking and not enough love. Like, he it, felt this feels angry at the genre. Hatred. Yeah. It, it, like, Alan Moore writing or Garth Ennis writing mm-hmm. uh, superhero comics sometimes. Just like, fuck me. This man, is st- what you want. It's so dumb. Stop writing it then, dude. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. And, and it's also. Because it, it's, it's not fucking French New Wave, right? It's not super realistic, but it is. Hallenbeck is a closer real human being than the star of any of his other movies. But, bro, we are here to watch a movie. So even though Russell Crowe and Gosling are kind of pieces of shit, they are movie pieces of shit and you kind of want to hang out with them more. You're not disgusted that they're around and raising their daughter poorly. Did it suck to watch this movie? Like, was it too dark and dirty and like, fucking more Hallenbeck? Like, is Hallenbeck going to continue to Hallenbeck? It's... Sometimes, but again, you have to be in the Mike Ryan. The mm, you have to be in the Mike Ryan set. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> you wanted to say the right mindset. You said the Mike Ryan set. This is the single greatest that be moment. The of new your life? name of our show. Uh, you you really do because so often, again, we think dumb can be interesting. Action is inherently a dumb genre. We like it. We want to elevate it, and you kind of have to be ready to dig. And I that sounds stupid talking about a movie like The Last Boy Scout. But it it is like not Mr. Darcy. Who's the fuck Heathcliff? Heathcliff is a piece of shit in Wuthering Heights. Are we the first podcast to compare these two things now? Wait, you mean like the non Garfield? The non Garfield. He loves Mondays. He hates lasagna, <laughs> and he lives on some moors. Uh he's a real dickhead. Uh-huh. He's not heroic. It's just old, so some people can fall in love with him. But like, you have to have a bit of a literature lens. And be like, but what is he say? Like, if you watch this expecting it and and say this is blood sport, this is under siege, you're gonna just think it's awful, and that Shane Black is celebrating these people. But like, listening to you right now, like, it seems like what he was also trying to do is this is Humphrey Bogart. Like, this is all of Bogie's movies are like, hey, you know how like, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. or uh, all these like how like. Yeah, they might fuck up, but like we love them. Yes. Bogey was always like, no, I am. I, I look at my face, look at my uh, cigarettes, look right. at my facial hair. I do kind of fucking suck. But Bogey had a thing, and I, 
I'm not mad at saying that Bruce Willis is our generation's bogey, but uh, bogey had to think of like you were still rooting for him, and yes. Helen Beck is like. But that's why this feels unforgivenish. A thing I rolled my eyes at when you said not 20 minutes ago, and I would think about it is because it's not just Shane Black and Tony Scott doing it. It is feels like four years later, Bruce Willis being like, "Man, fuck John Die Hard." Well, I mean, what if Shane Black and Tony Scott never got into a room? What if Shane Black was like, I'm done with the Lethal Weapon Monster Squad shit, and I'm and Tony Scott was like, I'm ready to make more Top Gun shit, <laughs> and that's where the rub is of this movie. And that's, yeah, where it feels off. Right. I could see that, and some of the glue is Bruce Willis, like, of he also gets it. Because he is both in, he's both always, right? Like, in Die Hard, like, he was both. You know, he's like, I can be an action hero and the everyman in one scene. Right. But... That feels still cinematic where Hallenbach feels oh it's it's I don't want to root for him. He's just like one of the least worst people in the movie of the men. Uh how do they work as a buddy duo? I mean, I like this is this is actually the thing. Whether it's action movies or action movies of the eighties or meta action movies, I do think that this is the thing that Shane Black, if not invented, perfected. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh before Lethal Weapon, we had 48 hours. Right. Um, but uh, the 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 two, the, the cop and the non-cop, the uh, street smart and the smart smart, whatever you want to do, like the odd couple right. of action movies come together. And I do think that is Shane Black's player. And, I mean, uh, Russell Crowe and... Gosling. And Gosling and Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something. And Robert Downey Jr. and... A tiny kid who showed up oh, at, Iron Man 3. at uh, Stark's funeral, and everybody's like, "Who the fuck is that Who's guy?" That weirdo. Uh, I think this is a thing of like, I'll write the action scenes. I know you want them, but I like when they're in their car, bonding and trading quips. Is is it more than two protagonists is more fun than one? Is could could you write an a book length essay about Shane Black's view on male friendship? Yeah, absolutely. Because I do think it's uh, we don't need friends. Mm-hmm. We don't want friends, but it's because th- that's sort of why we need friends is because we don't want them so badly. It's because we're pieces of shit right. and we're extremes. And f- good friends show you why you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And so we're uh, we're pieces of shit in two different ways. So why don't we learn, come together, mm-hmm. meet in the middle? You know, like I'll, I'll be uh, uh, with me and you just to use uh, Ryan and Mike as an example. Like I've heard they're friends. I'm the very happy guy. You're the very mean guy. And we meet in the middle, and so I'm happily mean, and you're meanly happy. Yes. Oh, look at that stupid rainbow. And you some, some have, like, a smiling frown, and I have a frowning smile. And that's just the way we work, baby. Yeah. And that's why comedy drama. Comedy tragedy, that's the actual thing. I, I do think that if you talk to listeners of maybe the OCD but or this episode, uh, every episode starts with us very far apart from each other. <laughs> And the end is us harmonizing word for word everything we say. In and think about that, and I think it's a really powerful scene, and it's probably you know it's, there's baby steps of them getting close together, but Damon Wayne's always is somehow even more laid back and even more mocking everything than Hallenbeck. It's it's all a cartoon because he because he's rich and he doesn't he has nothing to lose because Halle Berry died and he doesn't have a career, but. He breaks down at Hallenbeck's house, and he had a son for 17 minutes, and his first wife, like, 
one, I guess, how does that affect their friendship? Is that scene important? And is it jarring because so much of this movie is silly, even though people are dying, and that one feels like Tom Hanks should be across from Damon Wayans in that period more than Bruce Willis? I think that uh, what we have there um, is that uh, Jimmy Dix is gray and sort of takes over the main character role. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we realize that uh, Joseph Hallenbeck, Bruce Willis, is black and white. And it's sort of like watching Wolverine hang out with Cyclops or something. Or uh, what was that one fucking Fox show? The Gifted. No, like earlier, beginning of the 2000s. 24. No, uh, the Noopsies took place in Southern California. The O.C., have you seen the OC? Is that near One Tree Hill? It's near the Orange County's right uh, by One Tree Hill, but uh, that's when we realized that Joseph Hallenbeck is sort of the, and if I can use the parlance of the OC, uh, the Ryan Atwood of the the black and white. I just I I have my beliefs in right and wrong for good or ill. He sees the world one way. Yeah, like even if it's going to ruin my life. And then uh, Jimmy Dix is the Seth Cohen of I got shit going on, man, and it's confusing, and I want to deal with it or I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um. That like that's where I I think the main character thing flips and now that's when Joseph Hallenbeck I believe just becomes the Arnold Jean Claude. Uh, he becomes a robot. He gets shot and keeps fucking moving and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's pretty bananas. And uh, Jimmy Dix, uh, they both have a ton of heartbreak in their past, but yes. for uh, Joseph, it's all story, and for Jimmy, it's all character. One of them is trying to grow and learn still, and one of them kind of wants to die. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies where I like way more the more we talk about it. Uh, All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have to deal with the way this movie treats women. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening so far, and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com, and it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, Everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye! Ryan. Early on when they meet, Jimmy says, you don't like women much, do you, Joe? Joe responds, at least I like the guy she was fucking. Talk about his wife. How does the last Boy Scout feel about women? I have watched this movie hundreds of times. I've watched it once with a woman. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this a little bit on yes. this episode. Uh, it did not go well. And and I can see why. I'm not like rolling my eyes at your wife. I'm being like, be less uptight. It is. The Nice Guys, a movie that you claim to love. Yes. Uh, starts off with a woman 
a uh, naked woman crashing a car and then she falls out of her car naked and that's basically besides Gosling's daughter right the only sort of woman that has anything to do in that movie mm-hmm. and that's like that I would say that's a much more mainstream modern day movie than this yes it's tough dude I don't know like it's are you just scared of women like what if Shane Black wrote the 2022 reboot of Thelma and Louise uh-huh like what would that be like or is he just like he just he he it seems like he wants no part of it I don't I don't think he he stares the barrel down and I bet he's thought more about his relationship to women than Scorsese has that's, that's another one because Scorsese just tries to erase them where if we're if we're going on the very high flute in the last Boy Scout's literature as movies he is playing with the tropes and saying look how awful they are uh, but at the same time is not doing enough to be like, and I shouldn't be. I think Halle Berry elevates that role more than of her acting does. talent. Yeah, right. So if that was just some actress, right, not a future Oscar winner, and even more than that, I do think Darian is such an interesting character because she becomes like the third musketeer. Mm-hmm. And the one you root for the hardest. Uh-huh. At first, you're like, what a precocious, foul-mouthed child. And then you're like, I think she's the only one who gets the world. Oh, and if you uh, played 100 hypothetical situations of Joseph Hallenbeck having a daughter, mm-hmm. Darian comes out every time. Just this brace-faced fucking fuck you. You're a yeah. loser, dad. And then he gets so mad. He like he turned her the way she is, and he gets so mad that she is. How, like, he's, oh, he says but doesn't something. that make sense? Like, I'm angry because I know... This is my fault. This is my fault. He says so something so disgusting early on. He like just found out his wife was cheating with him with his best friend. And he said something about how she'll be blowing dudes by the time she's 14. And his wife goes, that's your daughter. Yeah. Like, And that was, if I didn't already, I was like, this movie might be weird to watch. And that's like, I think, I, again, going back, and I know it sounds like I'm defending, but that's uh, Chelsea Field, the, the wife, being like, it's so fucking hard to be married to right. a private detective from a movie. Like, you have to quip. Even right now when we're talking about uh, your daughter at school and her right. doing good at school, like, you still have to be like that? Jesus Christ. And well, just leave him. Just fucking leave him. She should have left him forever ago, probably when he lost that job. His friend Mike is a terrible piece of shit. Yes. Still, Can go away with him. Run with him. Like, get away from Joseph Hallenbeck, everybody. If it, so... Trying to d- devil's advocate, trying to be intelligently defending this movie, and that it's saying the tropes of the genre are bad with women. The movie itself is not. Uh, Jimmy Dix is always quick to defend Halle Berry's once she's dead, before she's dead. Like he's overbearing while she's alive, uh-huh. and is just trying to be too controlling, and that sucks. Uh, sex is in a fun, different way, but not necessarily with her. No, with other he, dudes. He waits till she leaves and then goes and threatens That's the my dude. Girl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then once she's dead, he will die to defend her good name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that interesting. And then even even Chelsea Field mm-hmm. uh, elevates the detective's wife. And I think that's acting more than writing. But like she's got four scenes, maybe. But she's yeah. barely there. But she her presence is pretty strong. Mm. And so is it, is it writing? Is it acting? But it's this is one of the weaker points where the movie's sort of interested in dealing with this. But I just want to see these two guys clown around. Like I feel like uh, you have made the point by saying the same thing four times in a row, which is, and the actress was way better right. than the script. 
It, yeah, the only one is the Darian, and is he? So he's into male friendship, and is he also into how adults and kids relate to each other and similar? Like the nice guys at this point does feel like the just matured version of this. And I, as a thirteen-year-old daughter, am more mature than my forty-year-old father. Mm-hmm. That does seem like a Shane Black trope, or in uh, Iron Man three too. Like right that. Pops Harley. up. Um, but yeah, I, I think the thing that's sort of missing is that uh, at a certain point, Shane Black, you have to show us that you know these dirt bags aren't cool. Right. Like we're you're making you're continuing to make them seem cool, even though we're already like fucking these guys suck. And it's just instead of them really learning, he just has the villains be even worse. Right. And cartoonish, and I like. Uh, what if this was Scooby Doo, um, and like we can make the the heroes more three dimensional. The villains will stay as two dimensional, but the heroes sort of like. I think he gets off on the fact that the heroes are as two dimensional as the movies that I grew up on. Oh, for yeah, I think that's part of it, and it's just again that's where his interest lies. I mean, Milo. Who is like the head henchman of I love this guy. Shelly Marcone. Uh he's having a ball. Yeah, and he always is. Uh, I want to look up his name real quick. Um, but uh the whole thing is that like the whole point of like writing bad guy, good guy movies is that you're supposed to understand where the bad guy's coming from, or it's not just it the bad guy isn't supposed to be just evil. He's the Milo straight up says Satan. I am the bad guy. Yeah. He gets off at where the, the, the like money has ruined the I guess the guys who are even badder and are in charge, and but this guy is just evil and likes causing the world harm. That's what he gets off on. And he can't die. Taylor Negron is his name. And he is he just a character actor who's been in a bunch of stuff? Because I recognize him, but I can't place him. Yeah, always plays a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably 30 episodes of TV shows where he sure. comes on, he's like that guy. Milo is probably his most extreme. Like uh, Crispin Glover's, who wants to be in more movies? Yes, style guy. Uh, yeah, he he's having a ball and knows Ryan. In the parlance of internet from two years ago, he knows the assignment. Fucking please don't do that, dude. Say that at all? Y- now you saying that it's just gonna live rent free in my head. Mm. I wish I had another annoying one. But I. As evil as he is, and evil evil as Shelley Marcone is, yeah, it doesn't excuse the the overall grossness of the movie. And I can feel Shane Black being like, "Well, what do you fucking want from me?" Because right. like I'm trying to give you all the stuff and then elevate the stuff, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Like sometimes it's Scream Three instead of Scream, right? Or Scream Four. Is that worse than Scream Heaven 3? forbid? I think so. Scream Three has risen risen in my estimation of late, just from thinking about it. Is it all diminishing returns, or does Scream 5 fit somewhere in the middle of the four? Yes. Five is better than four. It might be equal to three. One, two, five, three, four? I, I think so. I think that's accurate. One and two rule, man. Um, do One you, rules, two is fine. Is it? Is it worth... I totally understand where your wife is coming from. Is it worth it? Does it make any sense to be like, just watch it again, give it a chance? Because that, or you're like, nah, I get it. I don't think so. Uncomfortable things in movies. No, I I, like it's so. I think it's awesome as a time capsule, Mm -hmm. and that's so much different than saying it is timeless. And 
Oh no, this is so of its time. If uh, if you say a movie is timeless and the person whoever so or whatever uh, didn't get it, I would say watch it again. But like, no, 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 watch this again because it's such a time capsule. And I remember where I was at that time. Right. Why can't you just be with me where I was at that time? That's not a good argument. It, That's like saying, uh, no, the 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 show takes three seasons to get going. Right. There's too much out there. Right. Ryan, yeah. let's just jump to awards. Okay. Let's start with the Last Boy Scout specific awards. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't do the normal thing. Last Boy Scout, Ryan, was not nominated for any Academy Awards. The audience was confused because they were like, didn't this sweep the awards? Wasn't it uh, Silence of the Lambs? Mm-hmm. It could happen one night in The Last Boy Scout that won Best Picture, Director, Actor, Actress, and Screenplay. Uh, and then one real dick was confused because he's like, I didn't get the last Boy Scout because I didn't see the first Boy Scout. Ah, that's a fucking good joke. Let's start with the last Boy Scout specific awards like father, like son. And this is uh, we are huge fans of Damon Wayans Jr. In the Hall of Fame, technically. Yes. The cast of, of Happy, Happy Endings. Endings is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's a delight in everything he's in. Uh there are not always, but there are times where they are clones of each other. So, what what moment rewatching it now after you've seen all of Junior's uh, body of work, where you're like, "Holy shit, they are related as hell." I hate that I have to say this, but I'm going to say it. The difference between Senior and Junior, the difference between generations, the time where they are the most overlapping mm-hmm. is Damon Wayne's impression of Prince. And it's just something that uh, Damon Wayans did for let's make fun of how gay Prince is. Right. And then 20, 30 years later, uh, Damon Wayans Jr. would do it in let's celebrate how right. toxic masculinity is no longer a thing. Yeah, I think Jun- that's just in Junior's DNA. It's also weird that Bruce Willis calls Damon Wayans Sr. Jr. throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. And he is senior. Is it Jimmy Dix Jr.? Probably. Okay. Of the Los Angeles Stallions, the third Esquire. Uh, mine is, uh, they move in a similar way at times. Darian shows up in the car when Hallenbach is like about to get shot in the woods and Damon Wayans is just like hanging out. Uh, they move in a way like Christian Bale in his rubber Batman suit where it's not, I cannot just move my head, but I refuse to move my hips. And it's just my full torso turns and you pull back a little like, what? Uh it's it's subtle and very funny, and it's the little things. Uh, next up is Willisism. Best, most best Willisism. I think the last thing that I said to you before we went to watch it mm. uh, was that I fucked a squirrel to death. Um, Bruce Willis is passed out in a car. Three hooligans throw a dead squirrel on him. Yes. And his assessment of that situation when he's talking to his partner later is, I think I fucked a squirrel to death. And that, man, he delivers it like such Bruce Willis. Uh, maybe I think this is true, but I'm definitely going to try to be a little funny about it. But the movie definitely lets you know this guy's a piece of shit. No good and, hero starts off like that. And that's uh, totally, re- like, I think he might have. Uh, or I would buy that he did. Uh, there's so many Willisisms in this movie there's of, like, um, something like that is a retort all the time. Snappy mm-hmm. comeback, and then some. Quantity uh, over quality. But uh, that's one where, like, that's a good quip, man. You fucked a squirrel to death. Uh, mine is, I believe in love. I believe in cancer. <laughs> Just the, like, I think other people would put more stank on it and, like, 
how he just throws it out there is very Bruce Willis. And that's something like that, uh, where Damon Wayne says, like, what, they both kill you? And Willis is like, something like that. Yeah. I'm, I, 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 I don't want to continue this conversation look, anymore. Normal movies like this, people don't question. All right? Just fucking let's move on. Uh, biggest cringe. My biggest cringe, it's, it's actually the same. As what I Fuck said before. Scroll to death. I fucked a scroll. It's uh, sorry. It's the same as my uh, Wayne Senior, Wayne mm. Junior. It's uh, there's so much treatment of women cringe in this movie that I went for the one very clear. Uh, isn't it fun to make fun of gay people right. moment? Because that's like one of the first times they bond. It's mm-hmm. like ha, 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 gay. And I guess black. I guess Scott. They go out of their way to be like. There's nothing sexist that. Willis and Wayne can do mm-hmm. because Willis saved a woman getting beat by punching right. Senator Baynard in the face. And the first time we meet Wayne's, he saves a girl uh, who's getting sexually assaulted by throwing a football right at a dude's head. Right. Uh, as if that's like some sort of coupon where now they can do everything. But the, uh, the, isn't it funny that Prince is gay is like, there's no irony. There's no tongue in cheek. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I can see that. I, I said one of mine before and it's the, She'll be screwing them by the time she's 14 is very gross. But you, the one that I could, even though it's supposed to be cringy, and normally I'm like, well, that shouldn't count then. And it's letting us know that Jimmy Dix isn't that bad of a guy. But the drowning blowjob, and there are other people around, and everybody's just like, football, right? NFL, uh, baby. Couldn't get over it. It's, it's yeah. fucking nasty. Pound for pound performance. We've talked a lot of shit tonight. We've talked a lot of compliments. We've talked mostly shit. It, this one's hard for me because for this, I want to see the most amount of range mm-hmm. in whatever screen time you have. I want to see the most amount of doing multiple things at the same sure. time. And yeah, I can't, Mike. It's Bruce Willis. It's <laughs> uh, He just, he seems to know what movie he's in and he just keeps doing this like, it sucks to be a detective. You know, right. like it's uh, like you bring up the long goodbye is so important. Like, I'm, am I the only one who knows I'm in a movie? I'm an archetype, people. Uh, what's the last great Bruce Willis performance? It feels like it's been a minute, right? Looper. Dude, Looper rules. Mine uh, mentioned her, elevated things, and maybe, I, I hope I'm not, like, I know how great she'll be, but I think Halle Berry crushes. Wow. Uh, she's in not that much of it. The beautiful, the talented, Miss Corey. And I, I think the... Uh, not a hooker, because Jimmy Dix will get so pissed at you, but the, she play, she really plays that hooker with a heart of gold more human than so many other versions of this character. Like, there's five feet of marble between me and you. Maybe I make it. Maybe I don't. We call her hooker again. We'll find out. Uh, behind the curtain, Ryan said every line throughout this whole thing right before they did, and it was delightful. If I gave you a list of the 4,500 movies I have seen in my life, would this be the one that you picked that I know by heart more I than think any so. other movie? I think so. I've watched a lot of movies with you over the years, and I don't think I've seen this reaction. Director's signature moment. This one was hard. I I do like the comparison that you made of uh, uh, the more talented Michael Bay. Did you mm-hmm. say that? I think you did, but that's fine. I do. <laughs> I did, and I loved it when I said it. Um, I think it is the problem with, I think, Tony Scott. Michael Bay never tries to elevate. Mm-hmm. I think Tony Scott always tries to and fails often. Like, I think Crimson Tide is a great movie. I think Man on Fire is a 
more bullshit movie than this one. Is it more in the, I'm going to make a serious movie this and time. And Mandy did not. Like, this is more ridiculous than like, you could possibly imagine. Know your pulp and revel in it a little. Man on Fire is the movie where uh, Denzel Washington says, I have a bomb. Now it's up your butt. <laughs> now you exploded. You made me dumb laugh and I hate you for it. But, like, uh, having watched a Tony Scott movie today, is that that surprising? No. That that feels apropos. Uh, so what I'm going to do is something a little bit different. And I think that he is very interested in the craziness of the world's lights. So there's a lot. Mm. Uh, I'm, like It's sort of like Blade Runner way toned down in actually modern day LA. Right. So like there's a lot of purple reflection, a lot of neon, but not like blinding, not like weird, not like futuristic. Just like that's the thing that he always sort of focuses on. Uh, right. I'm thinking of like how it discombobulates the scene and the people. And yeah. Nothing and feels like, real. It somehow makes it brighter and dirtier all at the same time. Like neon has that effect of like, is this classy or the least classy thing that's ever happened? I, uh, Bruce Willis is in the alleyway waiting for Halle Berry, I think. Right. And then that uh, the one guy who comes to kill him comes in and like leads him down the alleyway where Bruce Willis does one of his three five minutes of stand-up, like, <laughs> like set up and punchline jokes, prefab jokes. Well, the 80s, everybody tried stand-up, so. <laughs> Even if you're a dirtbag detective. But like if you look at the puddles, like there's just purple yeah. everywhere. It's like that orange and purple sort of gaudiness is in here. I like that. I like that a lot. Mine, I, it's similar because there's light play, but it's, it's, it's cool. It's dumb. Uh, I've seen it the most. It is the Tybo running through the rain, uh, and just the there's those quick cuts. I know Tony Scott loves his quick cuts, and it's it's the pre MTV editing, but it, it is the on the path there. It, uh, I do think that Tony Scott came from this generation. Like there later, there would be like David Fincher and these like more modern day. Uh huh music video directors um but tony scott sort of came from and started i think the whole like what if nobody ever knew what we were looking at yeah talking about uh where people are in a scene and positioning it is and i'm sure playing football is out of chaos but this opening scene is it feels like he runs across the whole what is it 100 yards how long is the football it feels like he runs the whole football field twice and it's just him against the entire other team alone I want to pull back the curtain right now. Okay. I'm going to tell the audience that, Mike, you and I both watched together and recorded on the same day episodes about Robin Hood, yes. Prince of Thieves. It's hard to separate these two. And The Last Boy Scout. On the Mike list of greatest movies of all time, which one is higher? I think it's Last Boy Scout. It's trying more things. I, I got to shoot young Mike in the face. Like, he was... A guy who w- no way was about to tackle me. Yeah, and I just think that, like, I do get the spatial thing, but I do think that Tony Scott is maybe not better at it, maybe not, like, uh... Just based on, if we're just comparing these two movies, it feels like Kevin R. doesn't give a shit or uh-huh. anybody's in a fight, and Tony Scott, I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt, he's saying, no, I want to show you how chaotic this feels running through a field where it feels like your life is over. Yeah, and I uh, going off that, I think that Kevin Reynolds is like, uh, let's shoot it all. Shoot everything or shoot nothing. Let I don't God care. Let God sort him out. And, and then uh, throw it to the editor. Right. And I, I can imagine the editor being like, what the fuck? And then I think Tony Scott is cool. Like, There's a storyboard here. Story is secondary. Uh, character is secondary. Make it look cool. Mm-hmm. And it does. It's but memorable. But at least that's a... 
path as opposed to Kevin Reynolds, which is just yes. no path. Trying will always be more interesting than not. Remember that, kids. Uh, Ryan, this is not eligible to be in the bracket. If it were, how do you think it would do? Not great. It's uh, it's very dated, and I do think that Shane Black ruined it. Honestly, like I know that we have to consider that when it came out, and you know, like you can't watch 1933 King Kong and be like, "Well, these effects are bad." Like right. you have to take that into consideration. But like Shane Black made these two other movies, Kiss Kiss and uh, The Nice Guys, right. that like clearly you were trying to do something with the last boy scout and you needed to do this to get to those i would th- th- just ease back man i know your whole point is like because detectives say stuff like this but let it breathe uh, or like every idea in the last boy scout is like what if we did this snort cocaine nope this instead <laughs> and that's for literally like what if he did it five times i swear there are times where he he does like he just rattles off catchphrases while the bar is like what <laughs> what if this character's shirt was red Nope, bright red. <laughs> All of the red. Uh, what if Damon Wayne Sr. wore Scrooge's nightcap? Snort cocaine, a leather Scrooge nightcap. That fucking leather fez with the <laughs> tiny little thing on top. And it's, he wears it multiple times. It's his favorite hat. But it, he's a he's a star and an athlete. Mm-hmm. And that combination does not typically make for the best fashion sense. No. In fact, I would say it makes for the worst fashion sense. Possibly. You never look at an athlete and go, God damn, he can dress. No, wait, there's those guys who, like, the only people I've seen rock bow ties uh-huh. are footballers in suits with all the microphones in front of them. Like, yeah, but shit. You think it's funny when people look stupid. Well, I was going to say no, but every time I wore a bow tie, which was so much of my teens and early 20s, I was like, I look cool and stupid. Do yourself a favor and uh, search on YouTube, uh, NBA draft, and then pick a year. Mm-hmm. And watch what these 18-year-olds wear to the stage. It's <laughs> incredible. Uh, that is all the time we have for the last Boy Scout. It, uh, just keep watching those movies. Just never stop. That's all you can do. Watch more movies. Watch them all at the same time. How many screens do you have in your house? Put different movies on all of them. What? <laughs> if like there's an extra screen in your house that's off... Do you think you could watch all, like, do you have enough screens in your house to watch every Tarkovsky movie all at once? Do it! <laughs>